Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 247. We're going back in time. You ready for this, Albert? Yeah. You ready to go back in time? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back in time. Even though we're not actually going to go much back in time? <laughs> we have, this is the year of time wait, travel, wait. I think. Pause. <laughs> Let us tell everyone what game we're talking about. I do know that we do list it in the title of the episode, but we should probably at least say it. Okay. Today's game is Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time. Time. Thank time. you. Thank you. By Matthew Dunstan and Brett J. Gilbert. The artist is <laughs> Baboon. Nice. Fun Forge. And you were saying that it is the year of time travel? Apparently, because this is what, the second or third time travel game we've t- covered this year? I think it's the second. There was Loop and then this one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yeah. Yep, and there's a couple others that? we covered this year, but we published a few years ago, if you remember. I don't know. I so. know there's an acronym. <laughs> I can't think of that many. But we're talking about this one today, Albert. Okay. It's not rehashing. It really doesn't bear much much similarity in theme to the other ones. So, I don't know. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a different time travel game. One thing that has similar to the other ones is that the cover is really cool. Something about time travel covers are just really cool looking. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> it's different than the other ones, too. It's very, very uh, dramatic, very eye-catching. Well, let's briefly go over what this whole game is about, because unlike the other time travel games, or possibly like some of the other time travel games, either way, you are a time agent, and Professor Evil has raced through time and stolen artifacts, and then now has them on various displays throughout his mansion. And (laughs) your job is to recover them from his mansion before he can move them into a stronghold, which you'll never be able to get them out of. Um, But you have to run around his mansion and grab the treasures and then get back out again and hope that he doesn't find you while you do that or otherwise stop you while you're doing that. Mm, Okay. That sounds cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk more about this when we get to theme in just a moment. (laughs) Okay. Uh, what's next in, uh, rules? Sure. Let's talk about the rules. So this is a cooperative game. Um, I suppose we're going to start calling these pandemic style, but this is another (laughs) one where everyone gets to take their actions. Uh, and then after you take your actions, the bad guy gets to take actions and rinse and repeat until everyone's done all of those things. Um, Unlike some other co-op games, this is one where you have to continue to play clockwise, so you play in order. You're required to play in order, and you're doing actions, rolling dice, and going through it. The rules break that down pretty clearly. It's not a particularly complicated game. I do think that there's a couple aspects of the rules that maybe fall a bit short. For example, um, when you're putting out new treasures the treasure will tell you, hey, place it 45 minutes. Your job is to put it 40... When you're putting out a new treasure, it has to be 45 minutes after your current marker. 
not 45 minutes from start or like 45 minutes on the clock. It's 45 minutes later. Mm -hmm. Um, This wasn't perhaps completely clear to me on reading and meant that my first time through the game, I had some possibly broken strategies because the game wasn't meant to be played the way I was playing it. It could have said that easier. And being that that's kind of a central point, (laughs) could have said it earlier, could have said it in the correct place. I'm not quite sure how they could have fixed that. I just know that they really could have and should have fixed it. Yeah, that that sounds like a critical rule thing there. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is a critical rule thing. It is a rules fail. Um, But it's, it's one aspect amongst the rest of the rules. And the rest of the rules pretty clearly tell you how to play through the how to play through the game. I got the rest of it except for that one aspect. Okay. The rules are otherwise pretty clear looking, you think? Very yeah. crisp. I have not had a chance to to look this one up at all. Usually I'm at least somewhat prepared and can like comment on <laughs> rule books. I haven't done that this time. Sorry. I'm sorry. Albert. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm totally had prepared. to spring that one on you. <laughs> well, that's fair. But yeah, that's that's basically all there is about the rules. Okay. Um, shall we talk about the theme in that case, Albert? Here's yeah, let's talk about the theme. The about time travel and saving art. Right, time travel and saving art. So the basic idea, and I kind of mentioned this already, is there is the whole board. Actually, let's talk about the components first. Okay. Let me go through the components because I'm going to mention a number of components while we're discussing themes and issues with themes, and it may make more sense if I discuss some of the components. So in terms of components, there's the central game board, which has a clock in the middle of it that you're going to be used to track time on the board. Each of the treasures, whenever they're brought out, will have a a disc on the treasures and a disc on on the clock. So for example, you'll put a blue disc on the treasure and a blue disc on the clock. When the clock reaches the blue disc, that treasure will then be lost to Dr. Evil, Professor Evil, Dr. Evil, lost Mm -hmm. to Professor Evil, Um, And that's one of the four he will need to capture in order to be able to win the game. Your goal is to flip over the traps before he does that. So there's placed around the board, there are different rooms around the board. Uh, There are 12 different rooms laid out around this central clock. And you'll put treasures in, you'll put three treasures amongst those rooms and one trap switch in each of those rooms, the trap switches will have different types of traps on them. So like laser or keypad or switch, things like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll have either an on-site or an off-site. Um, all of the rooms will have small white, uh, excuse me, small black wooden rods, essentially, which are used to denote if a door is open or closed between the different rooms. Um, you are tracked by the use of a standee. So each mm-hmm. player has, or each character rather, has a specific standee. And these are just cardboard tokens placed in a holder. Um, each of them has a unique piece of art, and there's one standee for each different character. So that's the way that all of those work. Similarly, each character has a small six deck of cards and a player token, which you'll use one to show what your special power is if you get any, um, as well as uh, showing which character you are until you get that special power. There are three dice that are used for 
determining what the professor is doing and their custom dice and they're perfectly fine dice. They have custom side faces to them. Uh, other than, I think that covers just about all of the, what the components are. Um, for the most part, all of the components are very good. The, the card stock are tarot size and I definitely appreciate having larger cards. It's nice to be able to have that. Oh, okay. Um, the, the treasure tokens, um, Clearly, the the iconography for the different traps are pictured on the treasure tokens as well as on the traps. I think they're generally quite good. The only thing I wish would have been present is that for the traps to show you how many of a certain trap there are. Like, for example, there's only like, I don't know it off the top of my head, but like there's two lasers and three saws and four switches. So the only way you would know that is by counting all of them. And so sometimes you have to be like, okay, let me look around and make sure I found all of them. Yes, yes, I did. It would have been nice if it would have pictured on the treasure token, like, hey, no, there are four of these. Turn off all four. But it's not too big a deal. There's only 12 in total. But the iconography is very clear. It's easy Mm -hmm. to see which one of them they are. Uh, The art for the game board is very nice and very easy to use. And all of the, the art in general is pretty it's very nice mm-hmm. yeah I'd, I'd say the board when i first saw it, it reminds me immediately of a clue very yes. very similar style to clue it is prof- it is his mansion and it is a mansion that he will just sort of walk around at random doing stuff on and yeah i can certainly understand that that comment on it okay and the the locks are those are counters or cards the because i'm looking at a picture on bgg and it looks like they're it's a tokens ring tokens okay they look like they look like super mini cards so i was wondering they're tokens they're not okay. super mini cards they're tokens they're chipboard cool. tokens so they're easy to flip easy to place on it uh no double-sided board for them so they don't have a slot in the board that they fit into but i don't find that they're bumped or moved around a whole bunch so they didn't really need it mm-hmm. gotcha okay um so now that we've talked about the components i'll give my thoughts on it let me talk about the theming for a bit so in terms of the theme, the idea is, is that Professor Evil has stolen tons of treasure and he's putting some of them out on display. And this is our rare opportunity to grab them and rescue them. And if I guess he's putting them out on display once and only once. And then after that, he's putting them into his secret strong room, which we can't get into. We can get into his house very easily, but we can't get into his secret strong room. So our goal is to break into his house, steal back these treasures, and we need to steal four treasures before he can permanently lock up four treasures. Okay. He he will just wander around at random. during. So what happens is you have a bunch of actions you can take, similar to Pandemic. After you take actions, you'll roll the die. And the die will determine if he will just advance the time clock and lock up the treasure sooner, or if he will walk around the board, turning back on traps, closing doors. And if he sees you, teleporting you back outside the mansion. <laughs> okay. Not not necessarily killing you, not being like, oh, baby, I should shut all the doors. There's invaders here no he he'll <laughs> yeah, just he, teleport you outside the house for professor evil he's not that bright he's not particularly evil either oh, that's true it calls him professor evil 
he doesn't even strike me as like Carmen Santiago levels. He he doesn't have any dastardly laughs. He hasn't enacted any evil plans. This isn't like, oh, if we don't steal four treasures before he can steal four treasures, he'll use those treasures to take over the world, <laughs> to <laughs> launch a time bomb, to make everyone not have treasure. I don't know, some sort of evil plan. He doesn't have an evil plan. He literally has just walked through time and stolen these objects. Apparently nobody noticed. Wants to put them out on display for all of the nobody who's supposed to be in his house. He just feels like having them on display with a whole bunch of traps. Only wants to have them out on display. And once he puts them out on display, he's just going to lock them back up again. And it's apparently very easy for us to get into his house, (laughs) but impossible for us to get into wherever he's storing these or i guess i mean it says he's stashing them the rules say he's stashing them not destroying telling us where because if the rules told us where i mean it does say where it says in his secret strong room which (laughs) apparently has better traps than saws and lasers and locks gringotts basically i don't (laughs) really really struggling Really struggling here. Yeah, so yeah, so I think what we're saying here is the theme is kind of weak. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also it's weak because they made it weak. Yeah, no, yeah, so the, yeah. The minor edits and minor plotting of the story, you can change things. You can be like, what he's doing, he's not stealing them. He's deleting them from time because he hates art and he hates innovation and he hates that people are smarter than him. So he's mm-hmm. on a. This is how I explain it when I tell people on it. He's on a single quest to destroy art so that nobody will be smarter than him because everybody will be stupid without art. That's his goal. Okay, <laughs> and the way he's doing that is by de- deleting art from history. Now that it's kind of hard to delete art from history, this is how long it takes. Our goal is to interrupt him. We need to steal them back before he can delete art from history. Now then, we are time police, so we have the ability. All we have to do is get them out of his house, which removes them from his time lock. If, though, he catches us, he can remove us from the time stream. Now then, we're pretty smart, so we have backup versions of us. We always make like a save file of ourselves Mm -hmm. in time, so we can hop back to the previous save file if ever he deletes us using time powers. So he can't kill us permanently because we're better than him. But unfortunately, we really have to deal with him before he deletes art from history. That's a better theme. That's a, Right? Doesn't that sound better? It <laughs> yeah. sets him up as evil, ruthless. He's ready to kill us. He's just too dumb to realize that he can't kill us. Yeah, because we're crack agents. Right? Yeah, it's really, I mean, there, there's this one page here that really feels like they needed a little more thought into the theme to make me feel a little bit more motivated behind it. Mm-hmm. This is nothing that we can't fix ourselves, but it's a point to comment on. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for evil dastardliness, it's not quite there. Maybe it, the age is. What is the age range for this? Maybe it's a plus. Maybe they tried to. No, tone please. It down a bit. How scary was my story? It's literally Carmen San Diego type story. Yeah, but I it's mean, if nowhere... art from the past is stolen, that's you know. That's terrifying. what. Terrifying. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I have I, never known my children to be terrified of the Mona Lisa being stolen. <laughs> they never lost sleep over that one. <laughs> it's not the sort of thing that keeps them up 
uh, with Nightmares at Night. It's you know the Mona Lisa gone from the Louvre. You never be able to see it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just needs work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All that said, let's move on from silly theming. Uh, let's talk about the gameplay and how the gameplay works. You ready okay. for this, Albert? Yes, I'm ready for this. So, as mentioned, very pandemic style. The general idea is that you get to take actions, then he gets to take actions. Let me talk about how your actions work. I'm actually going to tell you the turn a little bit out of order. Bear with me. Mm-hmm. The second thing you do on your turn is you're going to take three actions. You have the following four options for actions you can take. You can move around the castle. You can unlock a door. So if there's a door marker between the doorway, you can spend an action to remove that. It stays unlocked until or unless Professor Evil walks through it, and then he will absentmindedly lock the door again. It's tidy. Um, You can flip a switch to turn off the the trap around a treasure so that you can come get it. Or for an action, you can actually rescue treasure. If you are in the room with a treasure and all of the switches for traps for that treasure are set to off, which will be all across the whole mansion, if all of them are turned off, you can rescue the treasure. When you rescue the treasure, you put it over in your victory pile. It's the one of the four that you need to collect. You turn back on all of the traps that you had to bypass to get the treasure done. So that resets and makes it so you have to struggle for all the next treasures. Mm-hmm. And then you reveal the new treasure. As mentioned, you reveal a treasure. If it says 50, you put the token 50 minutes after your current time. Put the treasure on a new room and the rooms are randomly determined by a draw deck. Uh, and then continue to take your turn or, or pass turn, I suppose, to go to the next person's turn. So those are the four actions you can take. Pretty, pretty simple. Move, mm, yep. unlock a door, flip a switch, or rescue the treasure. Nothing too particularly complicated. A little bit more of the complexity comes from the fact that each character has a draw deck. Before you start your turn, you will draw two cards from your own personal player deck. And your personal deck is only six cards large. You'll draw two of them at the start of your turn. At any point in time over your turn, you can use one of the two cards to do something. So sometimes it'll give you an extra action or move the bad guy around or block the bad guy from doing something or interact with other players. Every character has sort of like a theme for how they work. So like one guy says often roll the die and if you roll a good side, you get good stuff. If you roll a bad side, you get bad stuff. Another guy always messes with switches. Another person sort of like is a teammate type person and wants to move around other players and set them up Mm -hmm. for their turn. So there's a a theme for each of those decks. And those will give different variability to different characters, sort of flip things around, make things a little bit more different between how you do those things. Now then, there's only six cards in that deck. Uh, So when you shuffle it up, there's not too much difference that's going to happen over the course of the game. Once you go through it and you'll do that in three turns, uh, you'll have seen every card in that deck. So at that point in time, it's just, well, which two are coming out? So for example, if you feel like two of them are stronger and then two of them come up at the same time, well, you're only going to be getting one of them your turn Mm -hmm. and the other one, you'll have to wait for the deck to reshuffle again. So 
Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like adds some fun tension to the game, though. It certainly does. I appreciate the the fact that all of the cards are different. I appreciate that the different characters have different themes and do different things. It's not like in Pandemic where it's like, oh, you just get to delete two tokens. Each of them really feels like they're in theme, feels like they're doing something special, and provides some distinct choices in how you're going to be doing that. Now then, with the actions, the game is relatively tight. There's you have to sort of balance between the different things, how you're going to do it, plot out, because in order to rescue a treasure, you sometimes have to have seven other tiles flipped over onto their offside. And that requires a lot of planning. You only have three actions and it takes an action to move an action to unlock a door an action to flip a switch. So it could be that on your turn, you just get to flip one switch. And then it could be that the professor during his turn undoes every single thing you just did. Oh, so oh, frustrating. Yeah. Well, less frustrating, more just requires a whole lot of planning to be able to do that. So when I say turns are simple, turns are simple enough that they're not complex, but in order to be able to do well, you really have to do a lot of planning to be able to understand all those different actions. Now that I mentioned just now about the professor's term, maybe he does everything you do. Mm-hmm. The way the professor's turn works is after each player's turn, the professor takes a turn. What you do for the professor's turn is you roll a die. There are two dice. There are technically three dice, but I'll talk about them in a bit. There's two dice that you use first. There's a color die and an action die. The color die will determine which of the three different colors he's going to be involving himself with, either red, blue, or green. The reason is, is because... Uh, three of the die faces show, and they're going to call these chevrons. My family mm-hmm. lovingly calls them hearts. What really they're supposed to be are these little diagonal arrows. Yep. But they, they mean movement. The professor is going to move one, two, or three times around the castle. Each room has a carpet by the three doors that are leading away from that room. One carpet is red, one carpet is blue, one carpet is green. If you roll red, then that means the professor is going to move along the red carpeted door three times and just scooch around the castle that way, the castle, the mansion that way. Uh, if he rolls blue, then goes blue side, green goes green side. So you can't really easily predict where it is that he's going unless you're using one of the characters that lets you predict that. But you can't easily predict where it is that he's going. Um, if he moves through an open door, he locks it. If he moves into a room where the switch is off, he turns it back on. If he moves into a room with a character there, uh, in my play of the game, he he shoots and kills you, and you have to reset yourself back to a save. Um, And that's all he does. So I mentioned just now that you can spend your whole turn moving into a room and flipping a switch. Well, if he follows you right into that room, he will lock the door back, flip the switch back over, and shoot and kill you and send you back outside. It's like, well, that was a waste. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, well. Now, that there's a little bit of predictability about that, because Max, he can only move three. So there are places that you can be protected from him. That being said, three is a big way across the board. If he rolls three, he can get to a lot of places. Um, yeah. there's a lot of places he can get to. And because he can get to a lot of places, you kind of have to run risks and you have to acknowledge that you're probably going to get shot at least one time. Mm -hmm. 
<sighs> to the least of it, the professor also has one other type of movement, the secret passage movement. If he rolls the secret passage icon, which is a down arrow, then he's going to hop into a secret passage and pop up in the room wherever one of the three active treasures are. When he hits that room, he's going to lock all doors to the room, flip all switch, flip the switch in the room, and kill any character in that room. All of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So to add to the randomness, if he rolls that and you're in a room with the treasure that he rolls, well, you're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the least punishing sides of his die is the 5 and 10 sides. On the 5 and 10 sides, if he rolls those, he doesn't move, but instead he just advances the treasure of the color you roll either 5 or 10 minutes closer. So it makes it harder to get those things as you have less time to do it. But on the other hand, he's not undoing your whole turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 5, 10 minutes can be a pain, but... Yeah, it, it certainly seems like can. That's also because a that's, lot of actions. I got. That's two. That's at ten minutes. That's two turns because it's five minutes. Yeah. Hmm. Generally, five minutes every turn. So, essentially, that is undoing a turn, but it's undoing a turn without actually undoing a turn. Yep. And by walking around, he could undo more than than a couple turns. He could undo up to three turns, yeah. couldn't he? Oof. And set you back farther. So yeah, I question which is the worst one, but yes, all of them are bad. Then, once he's done that, he will roll a black clock die. The black clock die allows the the clock to move generally one forward. One of the clock faces uh, has a two clock on it. If you roll that one, then just at random, the clock is going to move two forward. The clock has, on the three and nine position, a special like level up icon. Whenever the clock hits those, one of your characters will gain access, one of the team's characters, will gain access to their special powers. Each character has a special power that is always on, and a special character that, when used, turns them back to not having special powers anymore. So when as the clock goes around, you do have access to a couple special powers, but you have to be kind of picky-choosy about who you're going to be giving those to and how long you want to hold on to them for in the event that they're always on special power is not that great, whereas their single-use act special power is really pretty great. So, you know, choices and choices, and choices about those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And You'll any con- character, at that point, you could choose any of the characters in the game to use their special power. That's not like you just whoever's turn character. it is. It has to be one of the characters that you're playing with. Right, but I mean, it it, it doesn't matter which one. Like, uh, like if oh. there's four people playing, you, it doesn't just because it happened on your turn doesn't mean it has to be your character. It could be yes, else. that is correct. Okay. Um, you will continue to do that until either you've rescued four treasures, thus preventing his evil plan to delete art, or he is able to delete four treasures of art. And yes, I'm giving my explanation for the rules because it's more fun. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you totally gave up in the original. I totally game. did because it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, and you will continue to do that. And whichever you or the professor wins, wins. Ta-da. Okay. It sounds it sounds really simple, mechanically speaking. And mechanically speaking, yes. It sounds fun. Um, it sounds like it's also brain-burning on your turn. Oh, Which way do yes. you go? Yep. That is perhaps the most important part to talk about this. Because you have three treasures out at any given time, and each of them typically has like 
four, five, six, seven different components that have to be just right to be able to get it done. And all of them are moving around and are consistently being like, well, this one's undone. This one's redone. This one's fixed. Maybe that means since he came and interrupted this plan, we should have you go and fix this plan. And especially in terms of strategy can sometimes be hard because you can say, Hey, we're going to go fix the 40 minute one. Or it could be, you should say, Hey, there's a 50 minute one. We still have a bunch of time on, or at least 10 more minutes on. And even though it has more switches that need to be off, just give up on the 40 minute one. We won't do that. And let us spend all our time focusing on the 50. Mm -hmm. And either of those can be the correct decision in a given moment. And either of those can switch in a given moment from being the correct decision to no longer the correct decision based on where players are ending up, where they've moved to, which traps have been triggered, which cards have been flipping over. You kind of want to be thinking strategically to be able to succeed. But on the other hand, you kind of also have to think tactically. You have to look on a given turn and decide on a given turn which is the best treasure to be focusing your efforts on and which switches you should be moving to. Is it the right time to run one of my characters all the way across the board? Is it not? Should I focus on where I am and just open up switches here and just hope that it all works out? I don't know. All of that requires a lot of planning, a lot of thought, a lot of calculation to be able to think which switches go to which one there's no real tracking method involved here so like if the blue tile is out and it requires the three saws the one data pad and the two lasers for example so that's six different things that have to all be there so it maybe it would have been nicer to have like some squares that you can put under those switches to show hey i need all these switches for the blue treasure. And that might've helped front load some of that so that I don't have to refer to it quite as often. Mm -hmm. The game doesn't provide those for you. I haven't actually tried doing it with it. I really wished that I could do it with it. Um, Because I do have to frequently reassess. Now then that means that I'm frequently (laughs) reassessing to figure out which one's best. And I know that, Things are changing as the situation develops. And all that is just part and parcel. And it could be that it wouldn't be easier if it had those squares. I don't know. I only know that with it right now, it's not easy to keep... It's not easy to make any decisions. Now then, lest my statement be misinterpreted, that's not a bad thing. Because if it were really easy, the game wouldn't be fun there wouldn't be anything to it you wouldn't be doing anything you'd just be like oh i just need to go turn off the switch and then go here and ta-da i did it Mm -hmm. there's no challenge there's no difficulty there's no player interaction there's nothing you're doing it's all just rote because there's a lot of assessment there's a lot of planning there's a lot of strategy that has to be done that's where the game lives that's where all of the stuff that you're doing comes into play and all of that is is all good stuff. It's all stuff that I like doing. I like doing all of that strategy to figure out how can I win, how can I get something. And it feels good. Every time you rescue a treasure, 
it's been the culmination of a whole plan. Mm-hmm. You, you feel almost like you're you're doing an Ocean's Eleven type heist where you're like this guy you go here and then we'll coordinate a we'll coordinate a double strike over here and if everyone's in the right position then we'll make sure we have this one unlocked like you have a whole big heist scenario planned if you're looking for a heist game this is this is a heist this is everyone putting all their all their their time clocks synchronized everyone making sure they're doing everything they can to be able to pull it off that feels pretty good but pretty heavy. Yep. Heavy on heavy on the brain, heavy on the feeling of success when you do it all. Does this game have variable difficulty levels to to play with? The game does not have okay. variable difficulty levels. I suppose you could be like, "Hey, we only need 3 to win." And he needs 4, or you can say he needs 3 and you need 4. I wouldn't recommend that. That sounds atrocious. Okay. Um, but none of that is in the rules. There's nothing in the gotcha, rules okay. about that. Um, there isn't the expansion. Uh, the expansion has these uh, time portals, which I haven't had the opportunity to play with. But the expansion has these time portals where he will be putting them out. And it kind of is reminiscent to the flashover mechanic from Flashpoint, where if he puts out a portal and then steps there later, he gets to take an extra turn. Mm -hmm. So that makes it harder because that gives him more turns. Right. But that's a mechanic from an expansion, not a mechanic I'm necessarily reviewing today, but it is something that can make it harder if you're looking for a bit harder. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, are the solo rules any different? Does it have separate solo rules or is it just a normal control two characters kind of thing? Normal control two characters. You cannot play it solo one handed. Yeah. You have to play at least two. Um, I suppose you can, you know, f- not do that, but you're never going to be able to get across the whole board and do everything you need with just right. Yeah. What what some of the games in this style will do is say you you have three characters, but you're well, but you have one deck. But this doesn't have a player. De- well, it does have player. It decks. does have player decks, but that would that wouldn't I, work. <laughs> it wouldn't really work. Um, yeah, yeah. You so just, just need to, to you just need double hand it. Yep. Okay. I I like it. It looks really pretty. It looks like it's fun. Like you said, and the running around the map, the board looks fun. Just like Clue. It really looks so much like Clue. It's all the same familiar rooms, the library, the Except with the evil professor. Yeah, the evil professor instead of Mr. Body. Which, mm-hmm. You know, prefer if he was a body, but that's okay. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that this game doesn't look like like pandemics get harder as, as the game advances, right? The, um, yes. the infection rate goes up and that sort of thing. Here, it's a consistent level of difficulty. I I agree with you. It does have a consistent level of difficulty. The only difficulty would maybe come up if you're coming short on time. Uh, but if you're ahead early, which I don't know how you would do that, but if <laughs> I guess you get lucky. If you're ahead early, then maybe... You can. Uh, it's not not clear to me on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it looks fun. It looks really fun. How long does it take to play? Um, usually about forty five minutes or so. Okay, not bad. About the same as a pandemic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Very cool. And easier to set up, I guess, because you don't have to worry about the decks. The uh. 
their short decks, the, the game does deck. have a yeah. little um, holder, a plastic thing. Uh, it's fine. It doesn't really fit with the expansion stuff, but yeah, it's it's it has an insert. Okay. Do you have the expansion? I do have the expansion, but I haven't really played with it. Okay. So maybe one day we'll we'll review that one. Yeah. Right. Well, very cool. Thank you, Julius. This sound this sounds like a fun game. My pleasure. Thank you for listening, Albert. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Have a good day, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.